Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now new customers, when you sign up and use promo code DNVR, you make a $5 bet, and when it wins, $200 in bonus bets instantly with code DNVR and only with DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today on a special edition DNVR Rockies podcast, the only reason it is a special edition show is because you're here. Kenneth Weber of Purple Row. What's going on, buddy? It's the special edition because I'm the not Susie today. That's but right. I'm still happy to be here, man. It's always a blast chatting with you. Yes. That, it was the avalanche hat that gave it away. Yeah. If you, if you start that panning. the blonde hair and the looks, but I mean mostly the avalanche hat. If you start from the head down, once you get to the avalanche hat, you already know it's probably not Susie. <laughs> uh, I don't know if she's actually a Flyers fan or not. Maybe. She might be. Uh, we're talking Rockies news and notes. They had a game yesterday. That uh, was another one of those wild ones here in spring training. Uh, we'll talk about more World Baseball Classic business. Are the Rockies a 100-loss club? What what even is a 100-loss club? Uh, and then we'll do some uh, player previews here for uh, Herman Marquez, uh, as well as some of the rookies not named Ezekiel Tovar and Zach Veen. But uh, 10-9 loss yesterday to the Angels. Again, it's spring training. It's fine. Uh, the the biggest number that that I'm most concerned about isn't the one in the loss column, but is the is the 252, 19 runs scored and it's under three hours. What have been your thoughts on the pitch clock so far, Kenneth? I think it goes to show just how necessary this was. It's an it's yeah. a it's an adaptation because everybody didn't realize the games were going too long or was just poo-pooing the casual fans' take of it, and then all of a sudden, as soon as that speed up is occurring, it's just like wow. Okay, never mind. That actually was a lot more efficient. So um, I'm glad that there's this adjustment period that's happening because right. if you looked at like the beginning of the college season, it was kind of pandemonium. It was a fiasco with some of these games um, being decided because players weren't adjusted to the pitch clock. So I think it's going to be a clean process, and I think it goes to show that this was an overall improvement for the product of baseball. Yeah, and I think there's you know ways in which they can make tweaks, and they've already had made you know, mm-hmm. a couple tweaks, but they'll be able to do that in in future years if they need to if if they're learning hey you know what we could actually make the game a little bit longer that's okay uh we just want to have more continued action that's the thing is that uh it's 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 quality right yeah. all right we'll give you a little more quantity we'll give you more time uh that that, that means there's there's more uh innings or, or there's more time basically before the seventh inning for you to buy your beer and whatnot that's going to be a good thing for for teams in major league baseball uh nevertheless you want to have nonstop action angels did not start Shohei Otani or Mike Trout yesterday against Jose Urania Kenneth what do you make of this intriguing move obviously fearing Jose Urania is Urania now going to be a Cy Young candidate this yeah. year based on that 
singular piece of skewed information. You know, you know, <laughs> I, I think it, it goes to show the fear factor uh, for Jose Arrania from from opposing teams' lineups. And uh, yeah, you know, I just I think Trout and Otani. You know, maybe they got their work in already. I don't know. I haven't really caught up with what they've been up to lately. But, uh, yeah, I think it was just let's not have them get diced up by Jose this early on. Maybe a confidence or, or, or a morale benching. That makes a lot of sense. I have been looking through Angel's box scores. Haven't seen either Otani or Trout, and you would have thought, hey, this would be a good time to get them back in the lineup. No, they, they held them out for yet another day. Maybe we start to see them again. Um, we'll have to follow up. Maybe tomorrow's show. We'll try to figure out what Otani and Trout were up to. Uh, but Urania was, was fine yesterday. Five innings pitched. Uh, five earned runs. The innings pitched is the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Five, okay. Now you're ready to uh, to make that start there uh, in the first week. Probably in San Diego. He'll probably be the number three starter there uh, for the Rockies. So uh, we'll see him there. Pierce Johnson, Denilson, Lamette each had a scoreless inning. Uh, two strikeouts each. Ellie Harris Montero, again, with the bat, two for four. Uh, had himself an RBI, a double. He is uh, among the Cactus League leaders, you know, second in uh, slugging percentage and uh, OPS on base plus slugging percentage. Uh, total hits, he's up there in a lot of categories. Overall average, 314. Fifth in total bases. I mean, he's got to be the opening day starter at third base, right? It would be a big disservice if he's not. And like, so this was the same Montero that we saw in Albuquerque all last year. Yeah. And then he came up to Colorado and he was on the roster, but the playing time was really sparse. And the it's fair to question the defense at third base and know that that is a project still, but the bat itself has, there's nothing left for it to prove. You take spring training numbers with a grain of salt, but you look at his numbers with Albuquerque last year, you're like, okay, I can see how this is the same guy. It's not a big leap. Yeah, he can work on the defense while while in the big leagues. I think you mm-hmm. want him to get those at-bats and say, okay, you know, it's still a work in progress defensively. Well, uh, you know, it's still a work in progress with, with the bat, too. So let that bat advance, let it develop, mm-hmm. and then you can go ahead and uh, work on the defense simultaneously. So, yeah, I, I, I'm beginning to have a lot more confidence uh, in some of the things I've, I've been hearing in and out of Rocky's camp that it will be Montero at third base uh, for San Diego. And if C.J. Crone continues to miss his more games... Well, then Mike Moustakas is going to be at first base, and that totally answers that issue. Probably. Yeah, unless there's a surprise with Tolia, but I don't see that happening. So, yeah, it, it makes sense. It's not We're not having to make far stretches to make this work. It's true. Uh, Ezekiel Tovar, uh, home run, his second of the spring, was two for three, uh, two runs, three RBI. And then Brian Servin, a guy who has been striking out a lot in spring training, but that's not really his player profile. He's mm-hmm. usually been in around the 20% mark uh, in the minors. Even last year with the Rockies, he was at like 21.5%, whatever it was. So I'm not too concerned with that. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious to to catch up with him and, and kind of find out, like, well, Elias Diaz wasn't around, so now how much of that work are you doing in, in getting your pitchers ready? Because now his workload may have doubled there. And, you know, is he, is he skipping batting practice? You know, that wouldn't surprise me necessarily as far as, you know, trying to pick up a little bit of the load with Diaz out and, and Willie McIver being the only other guy. There's Jonathan Morales is there, but there's not mm-hmm. that, you know, classic third string catcher, that Ryan Hannigan, if you will, on the roster to maybe pick up the load. So Servant gets a pass. It was nice to see him uh, rope two doubles and, and score a run in, uh, in Wednesday's ballgame. Yeah, and I mean, when we talk realistically about what Brian Servant's role is, what his job is, he is a defensive first profile. He's a backup catcher. And so, yeah, the spring training numbers aren't great, but spring training numbers are kind of meaningless a lot of the time. Um, so as long as he comes out, is productive, and gets comfortable back into the role that he kind of showed a good comfort level in all throughout last season, that's all you ask for out of Brian Servant. So... 
take it with a grain of salt and understand that once the routine gets back into place, he should be fine. Yeah, I think he will be. Uh, next game is Friday. They are uh, Rockies are off today, so you're gonna have to have, have to find something to do. Uh, no World Baseball Classic. That obviously is over. Take but a nap. Drink yeah. some water. Yeah, catch up. I mean, yeah. we're a week from opening day right now. Yeah. One week away. So recuperate. Got to get yourself ready. Take a day. The Rockies are doing it. Marquez on the hill Friday night. That game can be heard somewhere. Hopefully, uh, I don't think KOA is is planning on broadcasting that game. It's not going to be on AT and T, Sportsnet, uh, or Root Sports. This uh, is going to be a recurring theme throughout the season. Uh, well, not so much on the radio broadcast side, right. but on the uh, the the television broadcast side. Well, you try to find it. Yeah, <laughs> Saturday and Sunday's work. game will be on AT and T, Sportsnet, mm-hmm. or whatever they want to call it. I, Kale, do we have any news? Is it going to be a DNVR Sportsnet? Like, uh, is there going to be a, any kind of hostile takeover? Perhaps. I mean, I'm ready. I can I can do a little play by play or sideline reporting, if you will. But uh, I think Goodman and, and Jeff Hughes, I think their jobs are safe. Yeah, no news on that front. I'm afraid. Maybe a Twitch stream. It's it's a rumor out there yeah. that I, I'm kind of starting. So <laughs> that's that's fine. Maybe Milwaukee will have the game uh, tomorrow. There you go. That'll be at two ten. Listen to Bob Uecker on the radio. Let's Find that on MLB. He's still doing it, huh? I think so. He's trying to I don't know if he does spring training. Hold those dentures in his mouth. You can do whatever he wants. <laughs> that man is a treasure. He, he is. Yeah. Mr. Belvedere. Never forget. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the top spring performers uh, mm-hmm. on, on the pitching side. Because, again, you know, it, it is only spring training, but you can be hopeful. If a guy is, is struggling, uh, someone like Ryan Feltner he has an ERA up around 10. A lot of that has to do with one real bad outing, and you can go, eh, that's okay. He's working on some stuff. Same thing with Gomber. You know, he was, uh, he's working on a pitch, so uh, that, that'll play well at altitude. We're not at altitude right now in, in Cactus League, so you can kind of make excuses for that. But you can get hyped on the guys who've been pitching well and on the starting pitching side, uh, besides Marquez, who looked incredible in Las Vegas uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. Five innings of, uh, of shutout baseball. Probably could have gone a, a six. I think his pitch count might have been only at like 68, give or take. Uh, he's been really well and so has Carl Kaufman really good numbers from those two guys and and I think Kaufman and we actually did something fun with Blake Street Banner and uh, mm-hmm. I had Carl Kaufman as my my one rookie uh, to to get the most experience in the big leagues this year because Blair Calvo Gavin Hollowell there's a couple guys who still have rookie eligibility on the 40 man but I kind of bucked the trend and said I think Carl Kaufman you know late in the season is going to make a couple starts and so you know that could uh, pump his innings up past 50 which is usually what you might see out of a rookie pitcher in a, in a good year. So Marquez, Carl Kaufman, looking solid so far uh, this spring. Yeah, and I, I mean, Marquez, that's a bigger conversation to have um, because that is a very critical piece for this Rockies team as a whole. Sure. But Carl Kaufman, the entire, you know, the past three years, it's been Peter Lambert, Ryan Rawlson. These are the guys that are the pitching depth for it. Three years. Yeah. Three years in a row, yes. So that's always been the prominent conversation. However, it's never really come to fruition. So somebody like Ryan Feltner, though, rises through the system, ends up becoming that immediate piece of depth. Carl Kaufman is kind of following that same trajectory. And last year, and he got pushed very hard after being drafted out of Michigan, sat out, then pandemic happens, and immediately goes to double-A. So, like, he was pitching in against more advanced competition. He was given an, an aggressive promotion, and he was succeeding for the most part. He just had to kind of repeat levels a few times. And then he gets up to triple-A last year, I think a lot of the workload over the past two seasons to make up for lost time caught up to him. Yeah. Ton of walks. Everybody kind of started panicking, saying, okay, is this guy actually a viable starting pitching depth piece for us? And now he's coming back and looking a lot like the same guy that we had seen up to that promotion to Albuquerque. Um, 
I think this eases a lot of the concern that a few people had about whether or not Carl Kaufman will be that next in line. Heading into the offseason, I believed in the guy, and I was honestly very surprised he wasn't put on the 40-man roster and he wasn't protected from the Rule 5 draft because these types of numbers are what I expect out of him. He's never going to be more than probably a middle of the rotation at best, but you need those guys on the Major League staff, especially for a team that is you know, not always as deep as they should be on the pitching side. So it's a huge, huge positive for somebody that's probably next in line for the, the starting pitching. The best abil- ability is availability. Yep. And so say what you will about Peter Lambert, Ryan Rawlson, they've got a way to go to kind of get back to their potential. Mm-hmm. We might have really even seen Carl Coffin's potential. Sure, it could top out as, as say, a number three starter, but he's going to have an opportunity to prove that because he's healthy, because he's been going out and doing that. So, yeah, it has been somewhat of, of, of catch-up for him uh, with you know two lost seasons and, and 19 getting shut down, as you mentioned, uh, after a, a long season with Michigan pitching deep into the College World Series and then the pandemic. But he's, he's met that challenge, I think, mm-hmm. so far. And so uh, we're, we're still waiting to see kind of the best of him. But it's been solid so far this spring. Uh, from the left-hand relievers, Ty Block and Brent Suter have been great. Suter's a guy. We know he has a spot on the 40-man, uh, or not the 26-man roster even. Uh, he's definitely going to be there. And Ty Block really fighting. If you go over to the DNVR.com right now, there's actually a free article there for you. Checking out uh, the roster projection about a week out from, uh, from opening day. I think Ty Block will make the opening day roster for the second year in a row. Not bad for a non-roster invite. Yeah, and I mean, Colorado kid, there's definitely some uh, sentimental attachment coming for Ty Block. And so we go back to Ryan Rawls and him not being healthy, him not because Bud Black at the end of last season was saying, okay, we expect kind of a full recovery. They'll be good to go in the spring when talking about both Lambert and Rawlson. That didn't come to pass. Right. And so now Gilbert goes down. Okay, what's the plan left-handed? Because some, you know, we're starting to, to watch him drop here. So it opens the door for somebody like Block. He's not going to be amazing. He's not going to be spectacular. But he is going to be somebody that can be major league caliber. So that's what got him to the roster last year. Some opportunity and him being, you know, just that old reliable. Could get him a spot again this year. Wouldn't surprise me. It's an unofficial record, but I believe, and, and I heard this from the man himself, and I've, I've backed it up. Heath seems to think it's it's a record, but Jamie Wright, mm-hmm. from a Rockies pitcher, mm-hmm. right-hander too, not even a lefty, but seven consecutive years, he reported to camp as a non-roster invite. In all seven years, he made the opening day roster. So Ty Block... Could go two for two here. So he's on the path to possibly uh, to get to that mark at some point. I think that started with Colorado again, his I second think, time around. Because so, yeah. he pitched two years with Colorado, and then it goes just one team at a time pretty much from that point on. So yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it started there. But, I mean, that's – hey, when you are a veteran pitcher – so the term veteran gets overused sometimes, but somebody that can just show up, compete, and be effective out of nowhere, like a right, like a block – that's kind of what that term veteran is, is there's there's mm-hmm. some professionalism and some experience that makes him, you know, capable. For the right-handed relievers, Denelson Lamette has looked fantastic. Yep. I think he's really due for a breakout year. Justin Lawrence uh, is everybody's kind of breakout candidate probably for this uh, Rockies bullpen. Uh, and then Nick Mears, a guy who was really solid all spring. Uh, and that was kind of surprising the other day when uh, he did get reassigned because uh, I thought he was going to make the uh, the bullpen. I thought he was going to make the opening day roster. He does not, but he still has uh, that really solid upside. That was a nice waiver wire pickup for the Rockies this offseason. That fastball is 
explosive. Yeah. Like it stands out. And that's one thing you need out of a bullpen is not just um, major league pitchers, but different looks. I mean, that's the one thing that you can be a little fearful fearful of um, when it comes to suitor and hand being a lot of the same profile. How much is that really going to throw off a lineup? Being able to go from a sidearm righty in Justin Lawrence that can touch 100 with some sink on it to Nick Mears with an over-the-top aggressive 100 and then throw in somebody like Lamette who has a pretty mean wipeout slider along the way, those are different looks that make it very difficult for a lineup to go one at a time against in late innings, and that ultimately is what crafts a good bullpen. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised, too, that Mears didn't quite get the nod, um, but that goes to show maybe some of the bigger plans that they have for a few other guys. Um, but he's a very good acquisition and a very good piece yeah. that they can they can bring along the way. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, the the, the sneaky goodness of the Rockies bullpen. Mm-hmm. If we set the over under at 15 and a half, are you taking the over or under for where the Rockies bullpen will be at the end of the season? Will they be in the top 15 bullpens ah, gotcha. or bottom 15? It's so volatile. I, I honestly can't say it with any confidence. I think as a collective group, I can do top 15. I feel a lot better about a bigger role for Justin Lawrence this year and Daniel Bard kind of being the same guy he was last year than Alex Colomay being a you know a, a right. prominent setup guy. Right. Um, so I like the pieces better. That said, man, I've seen a ton of great bullpens on paper that <laughs> turned into trash. So I don't know. I mean, this is the hardest one to predict because from year to year, it's just you're going to get what you're going to get, and who knows? Sure. I think the Phillies bullpen this year is going to be magnificent, but I also think that that is a snake-bitten franchise when it comes to bullpens, like the Tigers of the 2010. So if they end up being 25th again, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. Very true. They, but they have the potential, which has probably yes. you know, been a rarity uh, in the past for the Rockies bullpen. What's not a rarity is a good time here on the corner of Colfax and York. At the DNVR Bar, it's a place where diehards, you know you get 15% off your food and drink, 20% off all the gear at dnvrlocker.com, 20% off uh, Party Bus. 20% off uh, all of our takeovers and watch parties. Uh, head over to dnvrlocker.com to get your tickets. I think we still have some left for the big takeover on April 29th against the Diamondbacks. Uh, Diamondbacks Rockies, for the first time, people can actually get excited now, Kenneth, huh? This, this, this is going to be a good takeover. This is going to be the blood feud. You're going to see it start yeah. to form now. It's going to be, you know, in five years, we're going to look back when uh, Ezekiel Tovar and Zach Veen are duking it out with Jordan Lawler and uh, Corbin Carroll. Gonna be like, oh, this was. I remember when we were at the ground floor of that. So you get twenty percent off if you're a diehard for the takeover. Uh, you get a little voucher there that you can use at the at the ballpark to to get some a uh, couple of bucks off your your foods, and uh, you get a free shirt, a brand new one that uh, looks amazing. And then according to Kenneth's guarantee. Uh, we're going to have a bench clearing brawl. So I mean, this is a big one that you need mm-hmm. to make sure that you go. Although read the fine print that we cannot guarantee, uh, we can't give you your money back if there's no brawl. I can't guarantee that the benches will fully clear. <laughs> no, so so benches will clear, but I can't guarantee the bullpen doors will open. Let's go with that. I think that's probably why the Breidich barrier is so high. They didn't want <laughs> yeah. they didn't want the relievers jumping over uh, like we saw in they the, saw the Carlos ball. Estevez do a backflip up, you know, straight from the steps. Yeah, the Breidich was really just to hold the relievers in mm-hmm. uh, if you needed to. Kind um, of harness them. You, you can't hold back the cool. That is, uh, this is not a Zach Veen model glasses. These are not, uh, but but he approves of them. We know he would approve of them. These are from Shady Rays. Shady Rays, independent sunglass company that offers world-class products that's just as good as any expensive pair that you've ever worn. In fact, uh, you can check them out in person at the Park Meadows Mall. 
you're going to get 50, uh, 50% off two or more pairs of these polarized sunglasses. It's buy one, get one online if you want to do that. Uh, it's amazing because it's a, besides just being insane protection for your eyes, they've got a fantastic guarantee that if you lose or break your sunglasses, even on day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because you have got yourself that guarantee. They, uh, they've backing it long after the purchase. It's great. Again, Shady Rays, giving their best deal of the year for you. BOGO, go to ShadyRays.com, use code DNVR, or visit them in person at the Park Meadows Mall for 50% off. Two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people, and maybe someday by Zach Veen. Maybe. Definitely someday. Someday. Should be. Probably should be. Uh, when you get hurt... Whether uh, not not when it comes to baseball, we've we've got some folks that are that are hurting with baseball right now. They they, uh, they love the World Baseball Classic. It was beautiful. It was wondrous. And now we're dealing with the Colorado Rockies. We're gonna have some fun. We will. Mm -hmm. uh, but but if you've been hurt more physically, uh, Bacchus <laughs> and Shanker is the way to go. They've winning. They're winning for Colorado families. They've done it to the tune of over one billion dollars. Uh, it was nice to actually uh, have them. I don't think anyone was on a show, but uh, they were here at the bar hanging out with us a little bit, and it was cool uh, catching up with those guys. You, you see them all over town. I even see them on YouTube, and, and it's great. Uh, it's a testament for, to how good uh, they're able to, to work uh, for you because they do it for free. Their consultation is free. They could even work on your case for free. Uh, everything is free until they win you money. Again, $1 billion is the total that they are now up to and over. They've got 30 lawyers, 100 folks on staff. Uh, they've got the power to win your case. They are in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. That's where you can go check out their offices if you want to speak with them in person or go to coloradolaw.net. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injuries where it just wasn't your fault. Fault. Car accidents, motorcycle accidents, ride share, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you've been injured at work. So call them at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free because Backus and Shanker wins. They will win at least 63 times this year. <laughs> they, they don't, they're not going to lose very, 100 times either. Very easy over. No, they're not. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. But uh, fever pitch right now in Mexico for the World Baseball Classic. Um, it's got me thinking, you know what? It, it's still probably a long shot for mm -hmm. Mexico to get uh, one of the expansion uh, teams that should be coming here uh, in just a little while. Uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Go ahead and check that out on the DNVR Sports Channel on YouTube. Uh, that was a fun conversation. Mexico City, I think the population is like 9 million. Mm -hmm. And then once you dip down to maybe a more baseball-centric city like Monterey, now we're only talking you know, under 2 million. Uh, although Monterey is a lot closer to mainland um, U.S., Mexico City is is very far south, uh, so that could be problematic. But it did make me think, you know what? Right now, the profile is really high for you know potentially having expansion in Mexico. If not this round, maybe the next one, if we should ever get through 34 or 36. It's always made sense, especially with baseball, more so than other big North American sports, um, because baseball is huge in Mexican culture. Um, so for them to have Team Mexico bring it to a national stage the way they did. And it was such a great Cinderella story to watch all the way through. Um, I think it helps raise the spirits of the game and being a possibility of being able to join MLB. Because, I mean, there was kind of some black eye between the um, Major League Baseball and Mexico in 2018 when they you know instituted a ban on, on signing Mexican professional players. 
I think that this really helps raise some spirits about not only the game being uh, or Mexico being a part of the game, but also Major League Baseball really incorporating that country a little bit more um, after some of the fallout that they went through in the late 2010s. If not expansion, still a definite opportunity to grow the game down there and invest and say, Absolutely. hey, man, there's Luis Arias, you know, even said it that, hey, we inspired a lot of kids back home and, quote, hopefully they get a chance to play this game. Like, Hell yeah. that's the thing. They're, if they're not even playing it, they're not going to be able to get into it. So uh, invest in that. I think that's amazing. Yep. The DNA of a 100-loss team, we've kind of been talking about it recently. It, we know what a 100-win team looks like or might look like. Mm -hmm. A 100-loss team, it's also something you don't necessarily talk about because things end up going wrong, and you kind of can't account for that. You can look at the players. Uh, you can look at what they, what, what they uh, have on the back of their baseball card and, and kind of project, as Ken is uh, discussing here in the chat, since the rotation may not go deep into games, the bullpen's going to run ragged. And so that's something that you say, well, that's not necessarily the bullpen's fault, but they're going to suffer because of that. Again, if you've got any of those comments, go ahead and uh, put that in the DNVR Sports chat there on YouTube. But uh, that, that's a good point about how these things can kind of spill over to one another. And it's, and it's hard to know and, and, and account and say, well, if all of these things go wrong, which you're never going to say, you know what, I've, I've looked at so-and-so's MRI and I think he's going to, you know, his mm -hmm. elbow's going to break down, his shoulder's going to, you know, he's going to have some you issues. You say that until the New York Mets look at Kumar Rocker's <laughs> MRI. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's hard to know exactly what is in the DNA of a 100-loss team. But the more I try to not make it fit for the Rockies, but see if it, if it takes, right? Mm -hmm. mm, can I really see that? Like, we're doing that with the Diamondbacks and say, yeah, you know what? They can make the postseason this year, even in that tough NL West. Could that happen? You know what? Yeah, you, you try that out. The more I try with the Rockies, the more I say I, I, they're not going to lose 100 games this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Fortunately I'm, or unfortunately. Well, it's, talking, <laughs> it, it's looking at kind of best-case and worst-case scenarios or uh, – uh, ceilings and floors. Yeah. So right now, when you look at the Dodgers, and we talk about what a 100-win team looks like, not only are you able to look at the Dodgers starting lineup and the ideal fit, the best-case scenario, because you look at the Dodgers on there and you're looking at 110 wins, a runaway team. But then you also look at the amount of depth that they have to cover some of those losses along the way over the point of a 162-game season. That's the worst case scenario where you see the Dodgers maybe finishing just a hair short of that threshold. But you see the happy median of, okay, this team should probably be around that 100-win mark because of not only the high end, but also the depth to keep that floor up. When it comes to talking about the Rockies, you have to squint really hard to see the high end of being kind of a 500 team. You know, that's that's kind of the ideal. What the owner thinks. Yeah, that's kind of that the ideal. That was before all the injuries. And that's and yeah, so that's the, uh, oh, we think we can play 500 ball. That's like the ceiling. Yeah. And that's where you have to look too hard to find. But then you look at the lack of depth. We talk about Carl Kaufman kind of being the only piece right now for the, the rotation. Well, Sensatella is already going to be out for half of the year. If you lose one of Freeland and, Gom or Freeland and uh, Marquez, if not both, ooh, that sinks the ship even harder. And so... Yeah, they've done enough kind of ancillary moves to keep them to plateau as still not being a great team. Um, but things would have to fall a lot harder for them to get to 100 losses. But it's easier to see that happening than to see them post a winning record. And that's the hard part. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll be a lot closer to 100 losses than mm -hmm. they will 81 wins. Um, and, you know, you talk about everybody playing to their best and, and, you know, topping out at their potential. And, you know, there's there's not a ton of guys, and, and this was the issue a little bit last year too, and I think we just learned it early on enough in the season. 
but there aren't a ton of guys that you can project to take a major step forward. Obviously, you know, Tovar will probably be able to, you know, replicate what Jose Iglesias did last year, probably yeah. even better than that. Okay, so there's something more that you're going to get mm-hmm. um, that you didn't get last year at 68 wins. You're getting Chris Bryant healthy. That's really great. Uh, Eli Harris Montero. Now, Eli Harris Montero, all he's really doing is replacing Brendan Rodgers because you still got Ryan McMahon there. So, again, where are you getting something more to get, you know, beyond 68 wins? It's more than likely that you're going to get less than that. Is it going to be, you know, six less wins and you're only going to win 62? A lot of things could go wrong. And to your point, with, with depth, I think the same is true for, the, for uh, a bad team, is that mm-hmm. if you don't have that depth to, to replicate and say, all right, somebody needs to step up, that's going to be problematic. I think the Rockies have some of that depth. Obviously, Tolia, Brett and Doyle, we'll talk about those guys in, in just a second. And, and you say, hey, they're the future of the team, but are they ready right now to provide that depth? That's where there's going to be those question marks. And you say, the wheels could fall off you know, fairly quickly. That's so that's what really makes the Brendan Rodgers injury hurt the most is we talk about kind of boom potential, somebody who could break out and Tovar does have the chance, but you also have to take Tovar uh, with a grain of salt. You have to have some sympathy for the fact that he's going to be a rookie for a full season, handed a starting job. It's going to be some adjustments that have to go in along the way, but maybe he could exceed that. And that's where you talk about Ezekiel Tovar, maybe rookie of the year type of candidate. Brendan Rodgers had the chance to jump from being a good defensive player, a gold glove defensive player, and an average hitter to now posting a 125-130 OPS+, plus, getting into that 25 range, and becoming basically a fixture middle-of-the-order hitter. There's always been the potential with him, and this could have been the year to do it. And that could be the big difference of the Rockies being able to elevate from a 90-loss team to, okay, moving that needle closer to a 500 mark. You take away the biggest boom potential out of that lineup, and now it's, okay, well, we need Chris Bryant to be more the Chris Bryant that we saw in 2019, 2021, that type of guy, and healthy the entire way through just to hang on to that 90-loss margin. And that's a really hard, you know, it's a hard team to watch a little bit, honestly, when you're looking at, okay, the best thing that can happen is Chris Bryant shows that he's healthy, so we feel better about 2024. Like, is that really right. the takeaway you want to feel? No, you wanted to see Brendan Rodgers come out and be taking that step to becoming an all-star player. So that holds them back a little bit. Mark in the chat saying Lambert would need to be really good to be at 500, which, again, yeah, Lambert Lambert had that maybe number two potential uh, starter a few years ago now, and, uh, and it, it could be still a couple more seasons until we see that best version of himself, but uh, he has that upside. The, one of the things I keep coming back to when, when thinking about 100 losses is, you know, Antonio Senzatella should be back in May. Okay, that kind of bolsters your your mm-hmm. starting rotation. It might not be, you know, peak Senzatella or average Senzatella, but you like that. That's that's good. That's for the depth. Tyler Kinley coming back, of course, this summer. You've got the concerns about CJ Chrome with his back issues, Charlie Blackman, uh, and then other guys who, if they get hurt, the Rockies will have them maybe in the second half rather than maybe trading them. So that's that's where it becomes problematic because you say if at least at the trade deadline you get rid of some of these pieces that are not going to be a part of your future, you're going to get something back and, again, make your future a little bit brighter. Had they done that better in 2020, 21, 2022, you maybe throw in 2019, the last four years, four straight losing seasons, 
we probably wouldn't have been in this predicament in the first place. The same thing with last year. They just, they lacked a depth. There was just a black hole in the upper levels of the miners. And now that's finally catching up, which is a good thing. Um, but if they don't trade those guys simply because they need to make sure they get to the 63 win total, which is something that is not beyond this organization. Okay, great. You avoided 100 losses, but you just shot yourself in the foot yet again. Uh, and you you damage the future of your franchise. Yeah, and I think one of my biggest takeaways from that, or one of the biggest disappointments with that mentality, is you're taking away the opportunity for somebody to get more experience, so that way when you are competitive, they're a little bit more adjusted to the major league game. Right? Is it really worth having Randall Gritchick get 400 plate appearances this year just to make sure you're on the right side of 100? Or is it better to ingratiate Brenton Doyle with you know a bigger role? a longer leash to start getting acclimated to the major league game and uh, major league pitching. I'm on the ladder. And I think that that's the silver lining of basically not expecting to be a very good team is the low expectations allow you to have some, some learning curves, some bumps in the road that you can endure. So that way when it's 2024 and 2025 and what you've envisioned the entire time, now they're prepared for it better than, it, than they would be if they're just being thrown into the fire right away. Baseball season's here, man. DraftKings Sportsbook is where it's at. New customers, you use that code DNVR, place a $5 bet, and when it wins, $200 in bonus bets instantly. The NBA's got their no-sweat same-game parlays that'll help you out even if you miss the mark uh, and you lose on that. If you won't go and triple-double for Nikola Jokic every game, you probably can't miss on that. You're going to mm -hmm. feel good winning a couple of bucks. There's still some spring training games going down. Uh, I think the last one's probably on Monday Maybe Tuesday. Rockies usually have like the last spring training game. It's always yep. like Mariners, Rockies are the last one on Tuesday. So you still have plenty of more of those games uh, to bet on. End of season predictions. Who's going to win the big awards? Is it going to be Ezekiel Tovar for Rookie of the Year? You can get in on all of that action. League winners, division winners uh, have a lot of fun. Head-to-head -head matchups between teams. Head-to-head uh, -head matchups between players and home runs. Otani versus Kyle Tucker. I mean... Otani's going to hit more home runs, right? Like, that's got to happen. Uh, you can make that bet on DraftKings Sportsbook. And make sure you use promo code DNVR when you do. $5 bet turns into $200 in bonus bets instantly, only with code DNVR and only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And our friends at FOCO. Man, they're the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise. Uh, we love our spring training bobblehead here on set. It looks amazing. Uh, it's best uh, officially licensed gear that you can get around. And right now, they want to give you 10% off all non-presale promo items when you use code DNVR. They've got some amazing bobbleheads. I think they even have, like, the they've got all Team USA bobbleheads from the World Baseball oh, that's Classic. Sweet. Yeah, they look, it's one where you go, I got to get the whole set. Yeah. I got to get the whole team. It, it would have, I would have felt obligated to get the entire set if they had won at all. Now I might just cherry pick kind of my favorites. If you're a Rockies fan, a Kyle Freeland Team USA bobblehead, oh, that's dope. Even Daniel Bard. I mean, again, you're right. Yeah. There, there's not a ton of Rockies guys and a ton of Rockies pitchers who've ever played for Team USA. Sport it in the World Baseball Classic. It's an hey, investment. It is. Hey, that kid struck out Shohei Otani on the biggest stage. Mm -hmm. That's Kyle Freeland for you. And that's FOCO. Again, Colorado Sports and uh, and all, all across the land. They've got some amazing gear for all the teams. Promo code DNVR gets you 10% off all non-presale items. Let's talk about Hermen Marquez and maybe a little about Jose Urania and Ryan Feldner. But Hermen Marquez is the guy this year for the Colorado Rockies after a, a frustrating 2022. He was able to finish with an ERA under five 
only thanks to uh, a correction made by the official scorer there uh, in his last outing. Otherwise, it was going to be five on the nose. It ends up being four nine five. But for a player who was an all-star in 2021, getting to pitch at his home ballpark at Coors Field during that all-star game, it was a little bit of a disappointing season for Marquez uh, on a whole. Oh, big time. I mean, this was a bona fide ace for a major league staff. And so, like, yeah, the Rockies can be a bit of a laughing stock when it comes to pundits from around the league. Nobody really doubted just how good Herman Marquez is. And he is a legit number one that the team is banking and planning around him staying a legit number one. 2022 was a big step back in the wrong direction for him. And he was visibly upset and frustrated with how his season was going as it went along. Um, I think that there are, it's not far away for him to recapture who he was in 2019, 20, and 21. That bona fide ace is still in there. I think one thing in particular, if you look at like baseball savant and the um, data surrounding his pitches, man, his sinker got beat up pretty hard last year. And I think that there's just a small adjustment where he's getting a little bit too far onto the side of that ball that is allowing hitters to really stick on that and be able to barrel it up much more consistently. If it's a small adjustment like that, that's something that you expect somebody of cal- or of uh, Marquez's caliber to make and kind of get back to the player he was over the past three seasons before. A lot of players had a, a strange offseason last year going into the 2022 season with the lockout and whatnot. Marquez's was maybe a little bit uh, more awkward in, in some ways staying here in Denver mm-hmm. uh, and, and doing that thing. But, you know, to your point, you know, his walks were up, strikeouts were down. That That's just a bad recipe. That There's just more balls in play and, and more free bases. And uh, you don't want that. Strikeout to walk ratios is one of those key numbers that I like and. Uh, and, and, and it's good to, to kind of give you an idea of, of missing bats and, and being effective and not just relying on uh, your defense. And uh, Marquez, you know, struggled with that. I mean, he had, he had a five-to-one uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio just a couple years ago when he was really starting to break out. But he's only 28 years old. That's the thing is that yeah. you, you, got, you can be hopeful and say, hold on, he still has a lot more to learn. Even a guy in their early 30s can learn more and make changes and adjustments. For, but for Marquez, for being only 28 there's still that hope that in 2023 he can kind of recapture that all-star form from 2021. Yeah, and so it's it's not even so much that he has things to learn as much as you expect him to be able to adjust. And it's not a a question of really diminished stuff anymore. Because now if we're talking about Herman Marquez, the 34-year-old, you're like, okay, well, yeah, he's not going to be the same guy he was when we saw him when he was 28. This is still a very... Um, capable arm and capable talent of being who he was as as soon as 2019. Uh, so 2018, 28% strikeout rate. 2019, that was a bit of a sweet spot because he got it under 5% on the walk rate, and he's at 24%, which is still above average yeah. for his strikeout rate. That mode is there for him. I think there's some small adjustments that he can make, specifically get back to the four seam a little bit more. I think a little bit more reliance on that four seam and then go back to that nasty curveball and slider can make him more the pitcher that we saw. It's all there. It's all physically still there. It's just some small adjustments that need to be made to get him back to the pitcher that we expect from him, expect him to be. He's going to be a free agent after the 2024 season. Probably. He has the so he has the option. He has an year. option for 2024. Yes. And then that's, that's assuming the they pick the it up. Assuming they pick it up, he would be a free agent as early as as 2024 mm-hmm. uh, or after the 2024 season. Um you know, is is this kind of a make or break here? Do the Rockies need to maybe see something out of him to extend him to go further beyond that? Or are they going to just give him a qualifying offer potentially after the 2024 season, let him go? Or are we dealing with maybe uh, a case of Ubaldo Jimenez 2.0? Yeah. And 
his value maybe continues to dip and, and then you just kind of offload him at, at some point. I don't see them doing that um, where they would offload him. I think they would just kind of let it run its course. But uh, are you concerned that we could have uh, another Ubaldo Jimenez on our hands? I mean, I think the Rockies over the past two, three years have made it very clear that he's an untouchable in their eyes. Right. Um, so if it gets to the point where, because it almost feels like it has to be a foregone conclusion that they bring him out there again for 2024. And then from there... Yes, I believe that if we're seeing the same picture that we saw in 2022, kind of over 23 and part of 24, then yeah, at that point, you probably move on from him. And there could be realistically a trade at that point. But if he starts to reca recapture some of that shine that we saw before, they'll, they probably will try to extend him. It depends really also on how much a Jaden Hill, a Gabriel Hughes, some of those arms that are further down the pipeline start developing and pushing for major league spots. Because right now... What's going to be the ace in 2025? What assurances do you have that you have somebody in line to be the ace of the staff? You have Sensatella and Freeland locked up. Are, are, are they number ones? Is that what you're comfortable writing into? So, I mean, honestly, this clock has been ticking for a little while of what are they going to do with Marquez? And if they wanted to talk trade, it would have been after 2021 because now you'd be selling low. Yeah. So now you kind of have to recapture some shine. And if it does start getting better, yeah, maybe extension because, hey, he'll still be 30. You know, he'll still be at a, a pretty good age to where you feel comfortable bringing him back. But if it's looking like he won't sign, if it's looking like it's not going to happen, yeah, you probably get what you can at that point. Yeah. Any bold predictions for what we'll see out of Marquez this year? Will he kind of recapture that? Will it be, you know, seven, eight consecutive starts in the summer? Uh, a couple no-hitters, perfect games deep into the, the game, which you know you're going to see that. Yeah. That's one of the exciting things when Marquez is on the hill. You go, ah, I got to go because it could be that start. It could be history-making performance, uh, even at Coors Field. But um, do, you, do you think we, we see him recapture that, that all-star form? I do. Yeah, I have a lot of good belief on that. And it, it's a bit of a bummer he wasn't able to pitch for Venezuela because I would have liked to see him do that in a bigger stage and show that he's fully back. Um, again, all of the, the, the skill set, the talent, the stuff is still there for him to be a dominant arm. I think he'll be motivated from how last season went to come back, show that he's the man again. And I think it will be more of the Marquez that we've grown to love over the past three, four, five years than what we saw in 2022. I think he's back. Multiple full perfect games. I'm okay that. with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, um, prospects that are not Tovar or Zach B. <laughs> Who, who do you think could, could make the biggest impact where people, you know, this time next year or, or in the offseason are buzzing most about? Is it going to be the three guys that are already on the 40-man have already debuted, uh, at least as far as Tolia and Gavin Hollowell are concerned, Brenton Doyle we should see? Is it one of those three guys, or do you have maybe more of a dark horse guy that people will be buzzing about a little bit more by the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, well, first the buzz is going to be about Zach Bean, but that's a bigger conversation. I think Brenton Doyle, first of all, has put up an excellent spring that yeah. doesn't get talked about quite enough. True. Um, and I think that the skill set is there for him to be a very dynamic and exciting player. There's no questions about him being able to handle center field. And that is a huge thing for a team that plays their home games at the biggest outfield in all of Major League Baseball. He made adjustments in the second half of last year that he carried over through his time in Hartford and into Albuquerque, and he just terrorized the league. And he's kind of showing that same hitter right now in spring training. That's a huge difference maker. If the Rockies can move on from Daza, Grichik, a little bit of uncertainty, even though I think Daza has been excellent for the role that he's been given, yeah. 
if they come in and they have a borderline all-star that they can start showing out there in center field every single day, you feel a whole lot better about how this lineup is progressing because now it's Bretton Doyle and Ezekiel Tovar. And oh, by the way, Zach Bean is coming. He's going to be playing over in right field. And you have Tolia, you have Grant Levine maybe steps up. Now you start seeing the pieces start to come instead of we're waiting for the big one to show up. Now we're waiting for the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one to start rounding out this core as a whole. I think Brenton Doyle could be a very, very impact player if he shows the player that he was at the end of 2022 is the one he's going to be moving forward. Yeah, I think Tolia's got you know the most power, obviously, mm-hmm. and so he's going to attract a lot of attention for that. But Doyle, just the overall all-around player. I mean, we've seen him with five stolen bases already this spring. So the five-tool player, like he's it's, five-tool. It's a, yeah, it, it's a cliche term, but in Doyle's case, it's true. Dude yeah. flies, has great defense, has some power to it. There's going to be strikeouts that are part of his game, and that's just the one thing. Whether that that's going to be the difference between him being Drew Stubbs maybe for a career <laughs> where you see it in flashes of potential, or him actually taking that step and becoming a big time, you know, all star center fielder. The talent's there for him to do yeah. it. I think that's one of the reasons why you saw Daza play a little bit of left field in spring training yep. and say, hey, Jonathan, get used to left because when Doyle comes up, he's going to be the center fielder and we're going to be the spot for you to check out on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies for all things Rockies content. We can pick up the conversation over there or in the diehards only discord as well. Uh, at Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at on Twitter. Kenneth, go ahead and uh, plug away. At KDub1988 on Twitter. You can find me over at Purple Row on Mondays. Got the Pebble Report, got my rock piles, got minor league previews going on right now. I'm just doing all the stuff and things over there. And hopefully we, we hear you on the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Podcast. Shout out to those guys, Skyler yep. and Evan. Uh, we see you. We feel you. We like what you're doing over there. I'll be hanging out. That's it. Uh, this has been wonderful and momentous, dare I say. But you know, you, you know what they say about momentum in the podcast and baseball world? It's only as good as your next show. So, of course, we will see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. on the DNVR Sports Channel here on YouTube.